הרי אני מקשר עצמי לכל הצדיקים האמיתיים שבדורנו, וכל הצדיקים האמיתיים שוכני הפך. כדושים ואשר בארץ הם אביך לרבנו הקדוש, צדיק יסוד עולם. נחל נובע מכוח חוכמה רבנו נחמן מפגם את שמחה. נח 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 נחמן מאומן זכותם תגן עלינו וכל ישראל אמן. בעזרת השם, starting with the lesson Kufpe 180, which speaks about the Pidyon. And the Pidyon is a redemption that people usually do to take off judgments, supernal judgments from on top of them. Um, it's an idea, it's a tefillah, it's a Pidyon, it's a redemption that allows those judgments that are on you to be completely redeemed. And uh, Rabbeinu speaks about the Pidyon in Sichot Aran, Chaim Oran, speaks about this idea saying that uh, he did not know why other tzaddikim performed Pidyonim. For the only person who can perform a pidyon who knows the 24 courts up in the Shammayim, because to perform a pidyon, Rabbanu tells us that you need to know the 24 courts in uh, the 24 Beddin in Shammayim and which court a person is being judged in, etc. So you have to know all the courts and where the person, which court the person is being judged in and how to move from court to court to, to lessen the judgment. So Rabbanu says and told him that there was no one who knew this. Um, so Rabbanu said, I wonder how Tzadikim can perform pijon, perform a pijon when they don't know the courts and they don't know the secret of the Azazel. As is known, that Rabbanu tells us that the, that the secret of the Azazel, the, the goat we threw off the cliff on Yom Kippur, a person who knew the secret knew the idea of pijon. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that is written in Sichot Aran. But uh, Rabbanu is going to speak about the pijon here. And as we know, we have a Ktav Yad of Rabbanu, a manuscript of Rabbanu, which gives us a pijon and Um, anyone who attaches himself to Rabbeinu while doing this pidyon, obviously through the koach of the tzaddik, will be able to perform this most awesome redemption. So anyone who's sick, etc., anyone who's, uh, who has lots of judgments upon them, it's very good to perform this pidyon. So, with regard to the propitiousness of this pidyon, this redemption. So Rabbeinu explains, Money are the aspects, or money is the aspect of judgment. Or it's brought down um, in the Gemara Pesachim. It brings the verse, mm-hmm. It brings the verse, I believe, from Dvarim and all the subsistence that was at their feet, all the property that was at their feet. What is the property that, uh, that's at one feet, one's feet? It's brought down in the Gemara Pesachim. This is a reference to a person's money that makes him stand upon his feet. So money keeps a person up on his feet. So we see that money represents the feet. And what does the feet represent? It's brought down in Yeshaya. He greeted righteousness wherever he placed his foot, wherever he set his foot. So we see that righteousness represents the feet. What's righteousness? Tzedek. Tzedek is Malchuta Kadisha, holy Malchut, holy kingship. And Malchut represents judgment. So we see that all this, um, this Tzedek being the feet, Tzedek is Malchut. And what is Malchut? Malchut is judgment. So we see that the feet are judgments. And what was that the feet? Money, as we said above. So money is judgments. So we know that Deen, that the judgment of the, of the government is judgment. The Deen of Malchut is Deen. And therefore, through all these proofs, Rabbeinu brings down. 
that uh, money is the aspect of judgments. And a person needs to sweeten the judgments in their root. Rabbanu tells us that the judgment, the, the root of all judgments exists in the sphira of Bina, in the sphira of understanding. I am Bina, I have Gvura, which means all Gvura, all Dinim, all judgments, all strength, stems from Bina. And therefore, Rabbanu tells us, when you place your hands upon the money, this is how you sweeten the judgments. Because within Bina, you have three hands, three types of hands. In Bina, you have the three types of hands. Which hands? The first two are the great hand. And the strong hand, the mighty hand. And the third hand is the s- synthesis of these two hands. The, comb- the, 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 the hand which is encompassed within both, which encompasses both of these other ones, which is Yadaramad, the exalted hand. So you have all three within Bina. And therefore, when the money comes, which is judgment, to the hands, meaning when you place your hands upon the money while you're doing this redemption, which represents these three hands within Bina, you're able to sweeten the judgments in their root, in their source. Sorry. Because the root of all judgments is in Bina. And over there in Bina is where these three hands exist. So a person needs to sweeten the judgment of this world of action. How do you sweeten it? With the three hands that exist in all the three worlds above this world of Asiya. Because we know there's the lowest world that is brought down in the Kabbalah is the world of Asiya, the world of action, the world that we live in. And then there's the world of Yetzirah, the world of the angels. Then above the world of the angels is the world of Beriah, the world of the Kisei Kavod, God's throne. And then the world of Atzilut, which is where God's presence is, um, is mostly, it, it's, it's God's pure presence over there. As uh, we know in the Torah, that um, Hashem says, that a person cannot see me and live. This is a reference to having a clear vision and a, a perspective of Atzilut, this highest world. So we see that there's three worlds above Asiya. And Rabbanu is telling us that you need to rectify um, the dinim, or a person needs to sweeten the din within this world of Asiya through the three hands that exist in each and every other, other world. So we see that there's three hands, Yad Rama, Yad Yad within the world of Yetzirah, and then also in the world of Beria, and also in the world of Atsirut. And that's how you sweeten the judgment of the world of Asiya. Hainu, Atsirut, Beria, Yetzirah. So we see you sweeten the judgments of Asiya through the three hands that exist in all these three upper worlds of Atsilut, of um, of the world of emanation, Beria, creation and Yetzirah formation. So when you sweeten the judgment of the world of Asiya with the three hands in Yetzirah, um, so whenever you sweeten the judgment of the world of Asiya through the three hands in Yetzirah, you sweeten these judgments through the name of Membet, the name of Anna Bechoach. If you take a look at the paragraph of Anna Bechoach, written by Rabbi Nechunia ben Akane, over there, you see that it's written in a form of triplets, taking the first three letters of the first three words of Anna Bechoach and the and sorry, you take the first letters of each of these words in Anna Bechoach and you create 42 letters these 42 letters um, present within the world of Yetzirah, 
or the three hands in Yitzhirah, are able to sweeten the judgment in the world of Asiyah. And how is it sweetened? Through this name of Ana Bechoach that is present over there. Why? Because Membet, which has the numerical value of 42, represents the 42 letters um, that we have this name from in Ana Bechoach. If you take the first letters of each and every one of these words in Ana Bechoach, that's one line. And there's seven lines. So you take each of those letters of each line. You have six letters per line times seven lines. That's 42. So you have this 42 name. And what is Membet 42? It's a numerical value of three times Yad. Three times hand. Why hand? Because there's three hands. The first hand is the Yad Rama. Then you have the Yad Agdola. Then you have the Yad Chazaka. Then you have the Yad Rama. So for, for each of those hands, each hand is one of the, um, Yad is one of those hands, which is Gematria, Yad. The Gematria of ha, Yad, hand, is 14. Times three for each of the hands within the world of Yetzirah, you have 42. Then in the world of Beriah, how do you sweeten the judgments in the world of Asiyah? Through what? Through the name Ekye. Through the name Aleph, Hey, and then Yud and Hey, and through the name also Yud, Hey, and Vav. That if you add up all those names together, Ekye, which is Gematria of 21, and Yud Ke Vav, which is also Gematria um, 21, you get 42. Which is also three times the numerical value of hand. For the three hands in the world of Beriah. But we also have the three worlds, the three hands in the world of Atilut. So how do you swing the judgments in the world of Asiyah through the three hands in Atzilut? Because Rabbanu tells us, how do you sweeten the judgments in this world of Asiyah um, through, through the three hands in the world of Atzilut? Because which name sweetens the judgments down here? The name that is present in the world of Atzilut. The 42 letters of the name Ma in its simple form, in its expanded form, and its expanded of expanded form. So what this means is like this. You take Yudke Vavke, and you can expand it in many different primary ways. Four primary ways. You can expand it to come out to the numerical value of um, 45, which means if you take each letter, Yud, Hey, and then Vav, and then Hey, and then you spell each letter out as if you would spell a word. So Yud would be Yud Vav Dalit, um, etc. Hey would be Hey Yud or Hey Aleph, depending on how you expand it. Then you can come out to different um, numerical values for Yud Ke Vav Ke. This is what we call a Milu, an expansion. So the expansion for 45 would be spelling it Yud Vav Dalit, Hey Aleph, Vav Aleph Vav, and then Hey Aleph. That's the way you'd expand it. If you add up all those letters together, you get the numerical value of 45. Here, Rabbeinu is telling us that if you take Yud Kevavke, which is the Pashut name of Hashem, Yud Kevavke, that's four letters. You have four letters there. Yud, He, Vav, and He, that's four letters. Then you expand it in you, uh, the Ma expansion, the expansion that comes out of the numerical value of 45, the way we just explained it. You have Yud Vav Dalet, He Aleph, Vav Aleph Vav, He Aleph. That's 10 letters over there. So 10 letters plus the 4 that we said Yudke Vav Ke, that's 14. And then what? If you expand the expansion of Yudke Vav Ke that we just did. So you have Yud Vav da, So then take each... Um, then for each letter that you expanded into a word, you're going to take that word and then expand each letter of that word, which means like this. 
So we explained that Yud could be spelled Yud Vav Dalet, but now you're going to spell Yud Vav Dalet expanded <laughs> with its expanded letters already. So Yud Vav Dalet, we're going to expand the Yud now. Yud is Yud Vav Dalet. Then you're going to expand the Vav of Yud Vav Dalet, which is Vav Alev Vav. And then the Dalet of Yud Vav Dalet, which is Dalet Lamed Taf. And you go on through this way. So bear with me. I'm going to read out all the letters. You have Yud Ke Vav Ke, that's the first one. Then you have Yud Vav Dalet, Hey Aleph, Vav Alev Vav, Hey Aleph. That's the second expansion. And then the third final expansion, which is the expansion of the expansion, is Yud Vav Dalet, Vav Alev Vav, Dalet Lamed Taf, Hey Aleph, Aleph Lamed Peh, Vav Alev Vav, Aleph Lamed Peh, Vav Alev Vav, Hey Aleph, Aleph Lamed Peh. If you add up all the letters together, not numerically, but just take how many letters we just explained, the amount of letters that we just uh, placed, that's 42 letters. Rabban was telling us that when you add up all these letters together, not numerically, but just the amount of letters that are used in all these expansions, you get 42. And these 42 letters sweeten um, the judgments of the world of Asiya. That if you take the simple name of Yudke Vavke, the expansion of Yudke Vavke, and the expansion of the expansion of Yudke Vavke, in the form of Ma, then you get what? Uh, 42 letters. Shalosh Pamim Yadan. 42 is the three times Yad, so the three hands that exist in the world of Atsilut. So, as complicated as it might be, um, it, the truth is, if you read it, if you really just write it down, it's very simple. But, um, Pause the recording, go back to it, and just write all the letters. You'll see how all of it makes sense. And a person needs to be that he should not be stingy. That actually, because if a person's stingy, the judgments will remain by him. So in order, your person should not remain stingy so that the judgments don't stay by him. For this, you need greater wisdom. To know how much to give in order that judgments shouldn't be remain by this person. So this is why the tzaddik is able to know by each and every person how much he should give whenever he's doing the pidyon. And there's many stories of Rabbeinu where Rabbeinu used to perform pidyon, pidyonot, um, used to perform a pidyon and ask for a certain amount of money um, from one woman. He, he started weighing out coins in front of the woman and gave her back a certain amount of coins after that. And um, there's very deep secrets with regard to this. A tzaddik has to be at a very lofty level, not just any tzaddik, not just any rav today. This requires a tzaddik like Rabenu to be able to perform a pidyon like this. And this is why, in simplicity, a person who attaches himself to the tzaddik to perform this pidyon from the Kabbalah. We just learned the deep secret that Rabenu was just explaining to us with regard to this pidyon. When you attach yourself to tzaddik, you're able to do the same effect because what we understand is that we are not able to do it. So, in attaching yourself to Rabenu, who wrote this pidyon in his manuscript, as is based from this lesson, we're going to... Um, that we can really do awesome stuff. Not us is going to do it. The tzaddik is going to go up and act as a lawyer and uh, sweeten these judgments for this person. So, Bizzat Hashem, may we have the merit that all our judgments are removed from us. Okay, Torah Kuf Pe Aleph. Chemit Kashrim Bekesher Eze Anashim Al Ishechad. When many different people or a few amount of people band together over one person, they get together to try to overcome one person. Even if this person is more important than all the other, all the uh, all the rest of these other people, nonetheless, they could all make this, all of them together could actually make this simple important man fall. Because all their portions of glory that exist to each and every one of them gather up together. 
ولی دزنید پتر خیلی کوا چرا and through this they're able to completely nullify his portion of honor that exists to the simple man to the man who's the important man who's against all these other men and of all the men he can fall through through them and he he will fall through them because their portions of glory all together combined can overpower his the youth saw me and i hid Sorry, the youth saw me and they hid. Meaning that the, the katnut, the minority, always nullifies itself before greatness. Small always nullifies itself before big. Because the portions of glory that belong to all these people together, that band together, when they come together and they tie itself to each other, It's greater than the portion of glory that exists to this, to this uh, single person. Unless, the only condition is that this single person can overcome all the, all the rest of them is when this single person um, that they are arguing against is actually so lofty in level that literally his portion of glory is so big that it can overcome even all their portions of glory combined. As I had Rabba, then on the contrary, um, on the contrary, they will be able to, they will nullify themselves before him in the verse we just saw, that the youths, the pl- plural, the youths, the many youths saw me, but they hid. Why? Because they were still smaller than me. As brother in But if this man is not so big, they can make this person fall through that binding together. Even if each and every one of them alone is smaller than him. This is so, provided they aren't very wicked. Because Rabbeinu tells us that the binding together, the binding together of a wicked isn't taken into account. It's not counted. Why? Because the wicked people don't have a portion in glory. Which means well, they don't have any kavod in the first place. But if this person isn't wicked and he has life force from his nefesh, from his vital soul, he has a, a portion in kavod. And he's able to make fall Uh, to, to bring a downfall to anyone who's arguing against him if he binds together with others. And this is uh, what Yaakov prayed about. That Yaakov knew in the future that Korach would argue against Moshe Rabbeinu. So Yaakov prayed about this. That the, that, that the machloket, the strife of Korach on Moshe would not damage Moshe Rabbeinu. Upon him be peace. And Yaakov said in Bereshit, Chapter 49, Let my glory not be joined in their group. Meaning, what? What was Yaakov praying? That all their portions of glory together should not come together, should not bind together. That each and every one of them has this portion of glory. Yaakov was praying that they should not get together. Meaning because they were representatives of the, at the assembly. They were men of esteem. As brought down in the verse. In Babidbar, chapter uh, 16. 
And whenever their portions of glory don't come together, don't bound, don't get bound together, it's certain that Moshe will be able to withstand their force and to make them fall. Why? Because they did not get together to make him fall. And that which Yaakov said, let my glory not be joined in the group. What's my glory? Because Yaakov represents glory. Because Yaakov is the aspect of the soul. As it brought down, in Sefer Bereshit, Kol HaNefesh Aba'a Levet Yaakov, all the souls in Yaakov's family who came. Because we said that the Kavod is the soul, the Nefesh. And what is the Nefesh at Yaakov? Kol HaNefesh Aba'a Levet Yaakov. All the souls basically come into the house of Yaakov, is what it's saying. That all the souls are encompassed within Yaakov, which is Yaakov encompasses all the glory. He has glory of Shema Pinin and Adam. And Rabbeinu tells us that what happens if a person gets together with many other people and tries to make another person fall? What is the fall that this person gets into? Which descent does he get into? When the, so what does it say? When they make a person fall, the essential fall that happens is that he falls into sexual immorality. God forbid. So this is what Yaakov was praying. Koach will not have an effect with his entire group of many, many important people on Moshe Rabbeinu. And why did Yaakov say, let my glory not be joined together with them? Because Yaakov represents glory. And Rabbeinu adds that all the words that people speak against the true tzaddik and upon his students, this is very good stuff. Very much in the physical and spiritual realm. These are very awesome uh, kindnesses. On the verse that you, Atem Nitzavim, you are standing here. That Atem Nitzavim, that this verse of you are standing is juxtaposed right next to the, uh, the Torah portion of the curses. Why? It's to tell us that all these curses are the very things that make you stand up that bring you up as a person, that all these, the strife and all these arguments, these curses actually make who, make you who you are. And uh, this is what it's saying with regard to the true tzaddik and all students, that all the strife that they get, all the arguments, all the opposition that they receive is actually to, to grade in them. It's actually for the, it's actually for their greatness. Torah kuf pebet. Da, no. Shekol that Everything or all the, that the world is speaking about during the Sfirat HaOmer, during the 49 days of counting between the second day of Pesach and Shavuot, that all the, the words of the world during this period, during the entire days of the Sfirah, actually they are speaking about the, the Sfirah of that day. So when the world, for example, is speaking on the, first, the second day of Pesach, which is when we start counting, or the second, uh, yeah, the second day of Pesach, when we start counting, um, they're speaking about that Sfira which we start, which is, which is Chesed, Shebe Chesed, they're speaking about this Chesed in Chesed. And the same is true of each and every day, depending on what day, that's what Sfira represents which day. So the day in which it falls out in, the, world, the worldly conversations of that time is uh, in reference and about that Sfira. And one who, is under, who has understanding is able to 
to listen and to know this. If a person inclines his ear very well to the conversations of this world, of the world, of these people, you should you'll actually pay attention and listen that they are speaking literally about only the Sfirah, only the divine attribute of that day. Because each and every day of the 49 days of Yomir have a certain divine attribute. And depending on um, what, they are, what the day, um, which divine attribute represents which day, you'll see if a person really has wisdom um, that they are speaking about that Sfirah, that divine attribute of the day. Torah Kuf Know that the tzaddikim of the generation sit in a circle. Meaning what? The order in which they sit. Um, that they are sitting in this world. Each and, one, each and every person in this place who is in the shape of a circle. Which means what? That each and every tzaddik, wherever he finds himself. Each of the tzaddikim of the generation, wherever they find themselves. In whichever position they're sitting in. Each one in his place, if you put them all together, they're sitting in a circle. And even if there's other people in between them, meaning there's one tzaddik in, uh, in Russia, and there's one tzaddik in LA, true tzaddik in a generation, and there's people obviously in between them, because from Russia all the way to LA, there's many, many different people in between. Even with this, even if they, these people disrupt and destroy this order of the circle, however, no, that these people standing in between these two, these great tzaddikim of the generation are not part of the community. They're not part of the settlement. They're outside the community. They're not actually considered anything at all. It's like as if they don't exist. And if you put all the tzaddikim together now, now that the people in between are not even worthy of being counted, then all the tzaddikim put together um, are in the position of a circle. And Hashem is at the head of this circle. And Hashem is the aspect of the head of the court. Hashem is the head of this court, this circle. Because these tzaddikim, the generation that sit in this circle, or the aspect of Bedin, this court. That from these tzaddikim, um, that this mishpat, this justice, emerges to every single person, but it's from this judgment, this court of judgment, that um, um, this court of judgment in which these tzaddikim sit, uh, sit at. So it's from these tzaddikim who are sitting in this circle, which all the judgment goes out to the entire world. Whether it's for merit or for guilt, and the same is true of Panasa livelihood. It comes out from this Bedin, this circle of Tzadikim. That they are actually dividing the Panasa to each and every person according to what is fitting for him. That these Tzadikim are deciding how much each and every person earns. And the main idea is this. That there should be love between these Tzadikim. And what is this love that should be exist between them? What is this love we're talking about? That this love is so strong that they need to see each other constantly. That because they love each other so much, they won't be able to endure without seeing each other constantly. This is what Rabban was saying, that the love should exist between the tzaddikim who sit in this circle. There's also love. 
they're able to endure, that they don't need to see. Um, um, that they're able to endure the fact that they don't see each other. But nonetheless, nonetheless, it's still love. For they love one another from afar. Even this, even if they they um, they love each other from afar, even this is an aspect of still seeing each other. That um, the world says, the world has a common phrase when they say, um, what what the world says something or what a person says something about something they despise. Now what do you say about something you cannot look at, uh, that something you despise? You say you cannot look at it. I can't bear to look at it. Because you, you hate it. But when a person loves one another, it's the aspect of seeing one another. Meaning I can, it's not that I can't bear to look at it. I need to look at it. And even if you're far from afar, you're still looking because you love each other. This represents the love that we're talking about. That even if you're far and you're not physically seeing each other, you're still seeing each other in uh, the spiritual sense. And this is the aspect of what it says in the Sanhedrin. That the Sanhedrin were sitting in um, a circular granary. Or sitting in the form of, in the shape of a circle, uh, circular granary. And the aspect of an uh, um, of a circle. Sanhedrin, what's this Sanhedrin we're talking about? Sanhedrin is the aspect of Tzadikim. The Sanhedrin, Sanhedrin this court, is this aspect of San, uh, these Tzadikim. From which these Tzadikim, from this court of judgment, all the judgment and all the livelihood gets determined to each and every person. And this is the aspect of what it said in the Gemara Sanhedrin, like a circular granary. What's a granary? Goren. That from the granary, from the mill house, is where all the sustenance and all the livelihood comes from. And what did we say? Agula, a circular granary, is the circle in which they sit in. And all of this is so that they should see one another. Meaning, what does it mean to see one another? To love one another. Because loving is as if you're seeing. Because love is sight. Is an aspect of sight, as we said. That What do people say when they hate something? I can't even look at it. So, loving something means you can look at it. And even if you're not physically looking, you're there spiritually looking because you love that thing. And the last Torah, Kuf when a person speaks with his fellow in the state of fear of heaven, meaning that they're speaking about their purpose, etc. This speech, this conversation between you and your friend creates a direct light and a reflected light. And sometimes um, this reflected light precedes this direct light. Proceeds before this direct light. Why? Because, for example, let's say you're speaking to your friend. Your friend has a small intellect and he's not able to receive your words. So, before your friend receives from you because his brain isn't big enough for the problem, not his brain, but his consciousness isn't big enough for what you're telling him. Meaning that if your friend will receive it, this is what we call direct light. Um, so before your friend receives it, because his consciousness isn't great, his mind isn't great, 
you yourself, the speaker, are receiving before your friend. Why? Because we see that the reflected light is hitting you before the direct light is even hitting your friend. Because you're understanding the gravity of your words. You're, the light of your words is getting hit back from your friend, back into you. Before your friend is even receiving the words in which you're saying. Because when you speak with your fellow in the state of fear of heaven, even if your friend isn't receiving anything from you, nonetheless, you still receive awakening from your friend. Because through the impact, this striking from your words, the words from your mouth went to your friend. Through this, that light gets reflected back to you. Uh, this is literally what is brought down in Etz Chayim. This idea of Oh Chozer. Um, this is exactly like one who throws an object at a wall. That the object returns back to him. The same is true when you speak with your friend. Even though your friend isn't receiving anything from you. Nonetheless, you yourself are able to be awakened from these words through this striking. That these words, um, um, that these words went and emerged towards your friend, but they struck your friend and then it got reflected back to you. And therefore, even if you were to say these words with yourself, if you were to say these words just with yourself, but not with your friend, it's possible that you wouldn't be awakened from your words at all, from your own words. Why? Because the striking needed to take place. And if you speak with only yourself, there's no striking that's happening. You're only striking. And this reflection is only happening when you throw it against the wall. Who's the wall in the scenario? Your friend. But by the fact that you spoke with your friend, you were awakened from your own words, even if your friend wasn't awakened. Because those words reflect, reflected back to you through this concept of striking. And this is the aspect of reflected light, which comes through striking. As brought in the, in the writings, we have and understand as well. In lesson 13, Rabbanu speaks about this idea of uh, reflected light, etc. But, uh, and how this has to do with vision. But uh, may we have the merit to speak with friends that they receive the light and that we have reflected light as well. B'zat Hashem.